Wendell Vaughn, the first Earthman ever appointed protector of the universe, bonded to the energy-transforming quantum bands that are both weapons and symbols of his station. He fights an ongoing battle to defend all life in the universe from cosmic evil. Stanley presents Quasar! Greetings, and welcome to the Quantum Cast. I am, as always, Gene Hendricks. I'm joined by my very good friend, Mr. Adam Worth. How are you, Adam? I am doing super. I have a brand new snowball mic, so maybe you can hear my dulcet tones entering oh. your body a little bit differently this time. I don't want to think about that, but you sound pretty good. Thank you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't take all the credit. <laughs> all right, um... I know that on the last episode, we had promised you guys that we would have a Comic Book Fight Club coming out soon. But, <laughs> those, the show, Comic Book Fight Club and Quantum Cast were released out of order, just due to various behind-the-scenes things. Uh, both Adam and I are quite busy in our personal lives, so yeah. just getting time to edit the shows is a little rough, and finding time to record... Just with the two of us, <laughs> it is a little bit tricky. Adding three more people to that mix, yeah, that gets towards the impossible. So that's oh, why, sure. you know, that's yeah. why there's no comic book fight club. You're listening to the Quantum Cast, but all of you love the Quantum Cast. I want to thank everyone for the over 1,000 downloads that we had last year. That was amazing. Thank you all for that. A, a thousand downloads. Yes. Really? Yeah. I mean, uh, I can give you the exact number if you wish. No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't care that much. <laughs> I don't care that much, but I do want to take a step back and talk about Comic Book Fight Club. Uh, so it is one of the most fun things I do in my entire life. However, it requires getting five people that have real lives. Well, with the exception of maybe Nero or Sean, but yeah. everyone else has a real life. And we record a two-hour podcast. Now, that's what you actually hear, which means we're on the phone for much longer than that. And then, of course, if we've got three different bouts, that means every single one there has to do a little bit of prep work on each of those characters and do a little bit of uh, homework and thinking. So it is a labor-intensive show. And that's why it's difficult, you know, we just, we're just coming out of the holidays to put that out. And I, I don't want you to feel like I'm making excuses because you could just fucking wait. Hmm. But that is exactly why it's been a while since it's coming out. So listen to the Quantum Cast, enjoy that, and then we'll get to a new um, comic book fight club. The other thing that's holding us up is uh, Gene is helping me record a new show that I am acting as moderator on and that is going to be the bad advice show and that has been a lot of fun to record and uh, we do a panel approach where we help folks like you we just try to make the world a better place by answering your questions so if you would like to go over and take a listen to that or would you like to write in and get my unique perspective or have one of our panelists answer your questions on life and love and life hacks relationships uh, history, whatever, we can certainly help you out with that. And that is going to be a very fun show for everyone to listen to, I believe. It's oh, gonna, my God. I mean, just, just the conversations that we have off-air, if the show ends up being anything like that, it's, it's going to be super entertaining, and I don't know why anyone wouldn't listen. Uh, correct, correct. It's very inclusive. It has a... Uh, 
uh, a tone that um, I've once heard Saturday Night Live described as this is uh, everyone's in on the joke and no one is really truly being made fun of it's hey doesn't matter what your race religion creed whatever is we're all just having a little absurdist fun and it's not uh, cruel in any way uh, unlike other comedy programs which i, I like as much as uh, anyone else does but it always feels like a dog pile in those on those type of shows where saturday night live is inclusive hey we're just all having fun and having a goof here and no one's on the outside so that's the the tenor that we're going for in that show yes and i i think you achieved that really ah, thanks buddy you make me happy uh so we uh we want to jump right into quasar or do you have something else we want to babble on about well we do have one email uh so why don't we cover that real quick and it's then not we can from, in. it's not from from that guy is it actually it is okay but he, lo- he no, he loves to hear his name. So just call him that guy. That guy, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that guy writes in, and the subject is Quasar's team up with Spider-Man. And he says, "Hey guys, glad to be mentioned in a show, even when I hadn't sent in an email." Right, right. And I haven't heard this yet. This is the first time I'm hearing this email. I just know that an email came in, and whenever an email comes in. Eight out of ten times, it's from that guy. (laughs) He knows who he is. All right, he says, as for the issue itself, that was interesting. I had no idea any other titles crossed over with Spider-Man when he had the Captain Universe powers. Really fun for it to be Quasar that did that. I'll pause there and say, yes, it was fun. And I, I mean, you have the trade. I don't recall that happening much. Just, Just like he said, it... It seemed to be more self-contained in the Spider-Man titles. Do you remember any other exterior crossovers with that? I don't recall. Now, Marvel has always done a wonderful job of crossing over properties, but we're still talking late 80s, early 90s. It did not get obscene crossover-wise until the 2000s, but certainly they did it a lot uh, during this period and uh, the 60s and 70s and so on. Right. Okay, he goes on, uh, gotta correct something I said, though. Of course. (laughs) When I said for Marvel, each four of our years was one year in comic time, I meant in their publishing history. For characters linked to World War II, things get weird in a lot of ways. They turned Dum Dum into an LMD, and before that, had him also get the Infinity Formula like Nick Fury to explain him being around. Pause there and say, yeah, the sliding time scale does get kind of strange in some places so but that that goes back and forth between retcons and things like that like oh yeah the the fantastic four actually weren't the first people to land on the moon once you know nasa actually did it they quickly swept that under the rug at marvel (laughs) uh he goes on and at some point terminus fights both teams of avengers at the same time and the Great Lakes Avengers team as well. Not sure if it was before his fight with Quasar and Spider-Man or afterward. Seriously, even to me, this guy's a B-lister and I've that I've seen here and there. Love the show and look forward to more. Oh, yeah. well, thanks, guy. <laughs> Thank you, that. he who shall not be named. <laughs> right, guy, comma, that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> No, I, I love him. I, I, I just want to rile him up a little bit. You know, maybe next time we'll get an email that's three or four pages long versus the normal two-page email. 
Yeah, because I'm the one that has to read it. <laughs> so that's <laughs> yeah. why you're wishing for it. It's why I opted out immediately. No, no. Gene, why don't you handle the emails? <laughs> uh, but that's that's the only other piece of business I had. Uh, the rest of it is the actual issue itself. Now, do we want to take a very quick break and then come back with the issue? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Okay, see you on the other side, everyone. Black Canary. I'll need a sparring partner. I'm Zatanna. Why do you care about some leggy dame in nylons? Or have I answered my own question? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for matchmaking. Black Canary and Zatanna. Together in one podcast. I'm Ryan Daly, and I've got a thing for superheroes in fishnet stockings. That's why I started Power of Fishnets, the Black Canary and Zatanna podcast. Join me every two weeks as I celebrate the Blonde Bombshell and the Mistress of Magic in their exciting adventures published by DC Comics. Power of Fishnets, available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Hi, friends. It's your old pal, Adam Worth. You may remember me from podcasts like Comic Book Fight Club, The Quantum Cast, and the thousands of other shows I somehow get roped into making guest appearances on. The podcasting world has been very good to me, and I feel it's about time that I give back. So coming this spring, I'll be helping to make the world a better place with my new show, The Bad Advice Show. Join me and a few <clears throat> choice panelists as we answer your questions on life, love, relationships, history, life hacks, and politics. Really, whatever topics you feel you would like to get my valued opinion on. So hop on the advice train as we make the world a better place coming this spring to an internet streaming device near you. To have your questions answered on The Bad Advice Show, Send us an email at thebadadviceshow at yahoo.com. That's thebadadviceshow at yahoo.com. And remember, kids, if you want to remain anonymous, don't tell me your name. Karel, you have traveled far. One journey has ended. A new journey is about to begin. Hey everybody, Magnus here. I do a podcast called Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. What I do is spend six episodes talking about comics, movies, and TV shows. But all that stuff gets put on hold every eighth episode so that I can talk about Smallville. Smallville's the most underrated live-action adaptation of Superman in all of history. Smallville's my favorite version of Superman apart from the comics, and so every eighth episode, I put Smallville under a microscope. Listeners all around the world have been shocked to discover just how awesome Smallville truly is and just how well it holds up to critical scrutiny. I've recently finished what most people regard as Smallville's first run with the conclusion of the mighty third season of the show. But... 
As awesome as Smallville may have been up to this point, the best is still to come. And I want you along for the ride. This is Magnus Talks About Smallville, an eighth episode feature of Trennis Magnus Punches Reality. Now with fewer cigarette breaks. So check out Magnus Talks About Smallville every eighth Tuesday for all the Smallville small talk you could ever hope to shake a stick at. Magnus Talks About Smallville every eighth Tuesday only at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back. So this time out, we're covering Quasar issue number eight. Cover date of March 1990. On sale date of January 9th, 1990. Thanks to Mike's Amazing World of Comics for information. So we are now officially in the 90s. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, the story is by Mike Groenwald. Pencils by Mike Manley. Inks by Danny Bulanati, letters by Janice Chang, colors Paul Becton, editor Howard Mackey, and the cigar-chomping editor-in-chief is Tom DeFalco. Nice. On the cover, we have Quasar standing in a dark tunnel with his quantum bands glowing, facing off against something with dripping metallic claws. The cover copy reads, Quasar, the Cosmic Avenger. Something is devouring Project Pegasus, and the Cosmic Avenger won't stand for it. Plus... Don't blink or you miss Warlock and the New Mutants. Yeah, don't blink is right. Ha! And in the corner, we have a box that says, Absolutely the last Secret Wars tie-in. <laughs> so, seeing as how that is the current to-do at Marvel, I find it very interesting that that's what we're, we're covering, a Secret Wars tie-in. It just happens to be 25 years old. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, so technically this is not the absolute last Secret Wars tie-in, is it? No, no, it's not. Right, and this is is this after Secret Wars 1 or Secret Wars 2? Well... I think it's the first one, right? This is, it's, I believe it's technically after Secret Wars 2, but the tie-in is to the original Secret Wars. Okay. And we will right. get we will get into that later on in the issue. But what do you think of this cover? So <clears throat> I like the cover. It's certainly very visually appealing. It adds a little bit of danger. And uh, if you were in a local comic shop and you saw this, you would feel drawn to it just by the way it's first person for whoever the menace du jour is. So you're seeing the claws of this bad guy. And it's like you're looking at through his eyes, seeing his claws, and then seeing Quasar in a defensive stance. And um, it certainly is very visually appealing and would be visually drawing to him. Um, I like this issue, but I don't love it. And here's why I don't love it: is it is it's a one-off. And when I was a kid, I liked one-off issues because I didn't have to collect everything else. It was a complete story packed into one issue, and I like that. But I don't love it because it's, you know, it's it's like the um, like a movie where they try to compile years and years and years of character history into 90 minutes or so. You're just never going to do justice to a storyline. You, you have to you have to move from beginning, middle to end very too quickly to really develop anything. Here's the other thing that I don't care for. This is another shameless marketing grab because. In the in this in the Marvel universe, you've 
even though all the units one universe and everything's interacts with everything else you clearly have a fantastic four zone an avenger zone an x-men zone and a spider-man zone and things go on in those worlds and don't often touch the corresponding parties so he's already had three pages of venom as a spider-man tie-in to Mm. try and try and get spider-man readers to read quasar uh he's part of the avengers so that happens automatically i know that we had uh, a uh, marvel team team up with fantastic four's ben Grimm, the thing so of course the last person on the plate is the x-men or last property on the plate is the x-men and at this time the new mutants are the hottest thing going in the x-men sphere of influence and so of course who do we have popping up his head on the front cover is warlock who was one of the most popular of the new mutant characters so this is a clearly a way for us to draw draw in the x-men crowd to the quasar comic right yeah and uh the shameless marketing plug aside the only it, the only problem i have with the cover itself mm-hmm. is the 90s cape yeah. The my cape is going to go up from my shoulders for no apparent reason. <laughs> well, yes, and uh, uh, I think I believe that uh, shoulder pads in men's and women's suit jackets were in at the time. So perhaps that's what's happening under the uh, the nineties cape. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's. <laughs> I just I I never liked that even in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's weird. I mean. But other than that, it's, you know, like you said, it's nice. I like the use of the lighting on it where you get Quasar's face lit from underneath because the only light is coming from his quantum bands. So it's it's a very, very well done image. It's just some of, some of the bits on it that I'm not all that fond of. So it's it's all right. Yeah, I mean, I, I visually it's very appealing. Uh, like you said, you know, the light is coming from his quantum bands. That's the only light source around. So everything around him is all grayed and greened out. Um, and you know, you're seeing the illumination coming from his, uh, mid torso region where the quantum bands are. All right. Shall we move inside? Oh, I love moving inside okay. because on the inside front <laughs> cover, I knew just, you were going to mention that. <laughs> yeah. G- giving me those sexy bedroom eyes is Fabio holding a sword, promoting the iron sword wizards and warriors Two video game for the NES. And, uh, he does have fabulous hair, doesn't he, for a barbarian? <laughs> he really does. It's it's all blown out, and he's got a little headband on, and God, he's just looking right at me, and uh, just oh. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, well, while Adam goes take a cold shower, we'll move on to page one. <laughs> but doesn't his doesn't his hair kind of look like Quasar's blown out hair? It does a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and he's got a headband on, and, and he's got, got wristbands. He's got wristbands, and he's holding a sword. So let's keep that mental yeah. note in. Oh, our, and his it, belt kind of looks like Quasar's belt too. His belt looks like the WWF Championship. <laughs> looks like, but uh, yeah, this is. Uh, let's let's hold that sword imagery mm. to the upper right hand panel on page nineteen because it is virtually the same stance. Yes. That Quasar takes with his He-Man, I have the power, uh, <laughs> quote, laser sword, end quote. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm jumping too far ahead. Control my enthusiasm and let's move on. What do you okay. have? So we have the title inside. It says, Still Life with Metal. 
And it's over a scene of Quasar flying down towards Cannonball, Sunspot, and Warlock. Mm -hmm. The mutants are worried that this is someone out to attack them, but Quasar explains that he's an Avenger looking for looking to find aliens on Earth. After a bit of attitude, they are teenagers after all, they answer Quasar's questions about Warlock. Now, Warlock at this time is changing between the Lost in Space robot, Marvin the Martian, and Groucho Marx in the background. He also looks like he's got Gonzo's head, Gonzo the Great's head, uh, as they're flying away. Uh, yeah, okay, yes, I missed that. Very good, mm -hmm. very good. <clears throat> now, do you want to hear what I think this is a reference to? Go right ahead. I thought you might. So, he is jumping between shapes and uh, making uh, references, pop culture references, while he's doing it. It is very, very reminiscent of the Pop-Up Man, that uh, green and purple space imp that uh, shows up from time to time. The Impossible Man, you mean? Yeah, possible. What did I say? Pop-Up Man? Yeah, well, he's from the planet Popham, so right, I right. can see where you would get confused. Right, that was the slip of the tongue. So, the Impossible Man. Now... I recall there being a New Mutants annual where the Impossible Man comes to Earth and somehow he gets into a competition with, uh, with Warlock. And it's, you know, anything you can do, I can do better type of a, um, you know, random, like we're going to just keep popping to different forms. Mm. And I believe the last panel, and I, I have it in my collection, I'm not going to dig it out, uh, is... Uh, Warlock winning that uh, shape-changing contest with uh, the Impossible Man shaped like Godzilla. <clears throat> I mean, and, and like a Godzilla-sized Godzilla. And um, uh, the um, Warlock shaped like a Jaeger. I think it's um, uh, Red Ronin uh, is what he's shaped like. And again, Red Ronin-sized Red Ronin. So they're in the middle of a park, giant-sized and the reason why Warlock wins is because Warlock can change his color. So it's, everything the Impossible Man turns into is purple and green, whereas Warlock, even though it's technically yellow and black, can change his color and changes the uh, the Red Ronin mech to be the correct color scheme, and that's how he wins the uh, the contest. Interesting. Um, Not really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm being polite, damn it. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, so Quasar determines that nothing that silly could be a threat, so he flies off. Mm -hmm. After worrying about the fact that he still doesn't have a single client, <laughs> Quasar checks in with Eon about Warlock, who gives him an info dump on the Technarchy, which is where Warlock comes from. Mm -hmm. Since he was pretty much on all pilot going towards the next alien signature, Quasar doesn't realize that he's heading to Project Pegasus until he's right on top of it. Now we get a brief flashback of Marvel Team-Up Annual Number 5, where Quasar was taken over by the Serpent Crown and quits his job as head of Project Security. As he lands, he notices that the main entrance is wide open and that the power is off. He flies through the project, not finding any sign of life until he gets to the Conference Dome, which... Reminded me of the Cone of Silence to get smart, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned Cone of Silence because there's an ad here for the red box of Dungeons and Dragons. Ah, yes. You remember the red box? Yes, I do. Uh, 64 page volume loaded with simple as well as expert combat rules and role playing tips. <sighs> that's almost as exciting as Fabio on the first page. Well, it does have a barbarian fighting a dragon in it. It could be, it could be Fabio from the back. You don't know. 
It could be. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. All right, let's move on. So we're in the conference room. Okay, we're in the conference dome, and here he finds Helen Carver, a technician, in her only Marvel Comics appearance. All right, so we're not supposed to know who she is. No, she is. this is a one-off. She has never appeared before or since. This is, I, this is it. I was waiting for her to turn into an alien, but she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> So she explains that there was a power edge and she couldn't find her way out after the emergency lights went off. Just like a woman. (laughs) So Quasar sends her to the surface in a quantum bubble and continues his search at the power generators. And that quantum bubble goes out of there just like, uh, um, what was that movie with, uh, uh, Tim Allen, where it was a spoof of uh, oh, Galaxy Star Wars. Quest, Galaxy Quest, that like those bubbles that they tra- transported <laughs> across the gut. That's exactly what he's doing with her. That's a, I can picture her just getting to the surface and melting off of her, and her standing there twitching like like he did when he got to the ship. <laughs> right, and then maybe that's where she turns into the squid monster alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, Quasar goes down to the power generators, and he comes across them partially melted, and a, there is a hole in the ceiling. So, obviously, he flies up through the hole, and he well, discovers would... the Blue Shield, the current head of Project Security, in a cocoon. Yeah, but we don't know what his name is until, like, the last page, right? Right. Right. You want me just to refer to him as the other guy the entire time? No, no, no. <laughs> I just want to make a note that they don't... This is how unimportant this guy is. I mean, this this is how, like, he's the curling of the uh, Marvel Universe. They don't even bother to tell you what his name is until the last page when he quits his job as the, <laughs> as, as the director of security. And he's in a cocoon. Yes. So, you know, when I first saw the cocoon, I'm thinking, is this Adam Warlock? But then it's this Blue Balls guy that's, um, you know... Just thank, thank God that he's being rescued, and then the monster sneaks up from behind. Because, again, this is a very hacky one-off, uh, you know, uh, plug uh, for Quasar. Yes. So, the, uh... <laughs> I gotta find my place again. Okay, Quasar is interrupt from... <sighs> That's all take, right. Take two. <laughs> Quasar is interrupted in freeing him by... And this is something else that we're not going to get the name of for a while, but I'm just going to call it by its name, The Omnivore. A giant robot who shoots acid, potent enough to dissolve Quasar's quantum shield. And then the omnivore does his best brundle fly and sucks up the dissolved quantum matter. <laughs> brundle fly. That's a good one. I like it. Hey, we're talking about a comic that started in the 80s. Might as well make an 80s reference. Right. So this 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 thing looks like a red, okay, so like a maroon, reddish colored um, creature with uh, certain sections of its body being a silvery white color, and we'll find out why that color scheme is in place later. And he has, uh, you know, this thing that comes out of his mouth that spits the acid, and he looks kind of like a humanoid insect. Is that fair enough, Gene? Is that what we got? I would think so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that, that sounds about right. All right, so Quasar hits him with an anvil and then encases the omnivore in a construct. And this is just after the omnivore uh, spits acid on him. It melts his quantum shield, which I'm still not exactly sure how it works. And I realize this is a comic book, but it's light. And they're now going to refer to it as molecular acid. And those two things are completely different animals. But then he starts slurping back up what had melted like a fly. Yes. In fact, that's what Quasar... The reason I, I mention that is Quasar actually... Makes mention that it is. Oh, it's, this is like a 
how a fly eats. Yeah. You know, that's okay. <laughs> Let's over-explain it, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the Blue Shield has freed himself now and says that the creature dissolved and ate 15 of his men, but couldn't get through his force field. Now, at this moment, the Omnivore breaks out of the construct and grabs Blue Shield. Stupid Blue Shield. All right, so what does Blue Shield look like? I Google. I'm gonna Google Blue Shield and see what comes up. It pro- it'd probably be like healthcare, right? <laughs> uh, so screw that. I'm not gonna do that. Uh, uh, I I looked him up on the Marvel site, and he has yeah. a he has a few appearances. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> this is this is gonna tell you a whole lot. His first appearance was an issue of Dazzler. <laughs> All right. Uh, did he have roller skates at the time? I don't remember. <laughs> I didn't look that that much beyond it. I just said, "Oh, first appearance, Dazzler, yay, yeah. <laughs> done." <laughs> but yeah. he does he does come back towards uh-huh. the end of Quasar's series, so we'll be uh, seeing more from the wonderful Blue Shield. Yeah, so full bodysuit with Cal Blue, no cape. Uh, he's got the Captain America pirate boots, but they're white. The Captain America pirate gloves that are also white. And then he's got a, just a, can you imagine, I mean, okay, listeners, his name is the Blue Shield. He is all blue with some white accoutrement. What is on the middle of his chest? Can you guess? We should really put like a, uh, you know, um, uh, the Jeopardy song in here. (laughs) All right. So I will, I won't keep you in suspense. It's a white shield. And in the field, in the middle of the shield, is just like a blue blob. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous. Oh, and in the middle of his head, you know, where the big A would be if he was Captain America, is a white shield. So this is the most generic superhero ever. Has no offensive powers, just can... He's, she's, he's like Skids from the New Mutants. See, if they were going to do a crossover, why wouldn't they have Skids in here if they need somebody that can put a shield around himself? But... <laughs> whatever. whatever moving on i'm sorry gene go ahead this, this is a superhero who bought his costume off the rack <laughs> he really you know he belongs in the mystery men <laughs> he should, this is really a typical mystery men character yeah and he but you know like his shield should be have some sort of weakness to it like you know it protects him from all damage except for from like metal you know like any type of a cutting blade can get right through <laughs> the slow or, or, blade penetrates the shield. Right, there you go. <laughs> bravo, sir, bravo. Uh, all right, so while you know Blue Shield is moping about his men, the Omnivore breaks out of the construct and grabs him. Quasar puts a bubble around Blue Shield, but the Omnivore doesn't drop him until Quasar does his best, Fabio, and cuts off the Omnivore's hand. Right, right. So here on page 19... Um, he says, I'm mad now. No more Mr. Nice Guy. And he rears up and he creates a, um, a, a two-handed sword out of the quantum energy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very He-Man-esque. The colors, I mean, the, the, the sheer brightness from the sword washes out all the other colors. So everything is yellow, uh, all around him. Uh, and my first thought was He-Man. My second thought was Thundar the Barbarian, which I cannot wait for some company to be smart enough to buy that property and make a movie out of it, because that would be awesome. Um, But now, I mean, really, it's almost the exact same pose on the inside cover with Fabio and this. So I don't know 
God, it would be really cool if that was on purpose, but I, I think it's just one of those random coincidences. And you see, here I am looking at that panel and thinking, ah, your Schwartz is as big as mine. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the that's the other one. <laughs> well, let's just look at the positioning. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh, no, I was looking. Okay. <laughs> so after Quasar does a Darth Vader and cuts off the Omnivore's hand, the hand starts to crawl away and the Omnivore's screaming in pain. Quasar, with Blue Shield still in the bubble, because you can't let this guy out on his own, grabs the hand in a construct and calls Eon for assistance. Eon fills Quasar in on the premise behind the original Secret Wars and tells him that Iron Man, realizing that his battle world parts didn't work on Earth, dumped them in a snowbank in upstate New York. Eon conveniently leaves out that Jim Rhodes, who was Iron Man in issue number 183, wasn't there alone and left the parts with Morley Irwin, who apparently thought that leaving alien technology just lying around was no problem at all. Right. I'm just, I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave this here. That's all right. There we go. <laughs> Everything will be fine. I'm just gonna leave this here. And um, a couple other quick notes. So at the time, as I recall, the Iron Man sh- suit was red and white. No, this is this is still red and yellow. This is before the. Was it, no, this is uh, after the Silver Centurion thing. Right. So, no, it, at, uh, in, in that issue, because I went back and read that issue of Iron Man, it is uh, red and gold. So it's your classic Iron Man armor. Yeah, okay, so, but the Silver Centurion armor, did I say that right? Is that what it's called? Yes. Is red and white, and that is the yes. same exact coloring that the Omnivore has. So I believe that the artist here was trying to make that connection like Mm. i really think because if this is the mutated and evolved version of those living parts this um i mean it would make sense that it would have a same coloring as the iron man armor so i think that that was a clever and thought out maneuver uh on the on the artist's part but didn't realize that it was the wrong armor at the time so that's what i think here's the other thing i think is everything that these guys brought home from Battle World sentient because is this just like you know the the Venom symbiote? <laughs> you know the or only fraud? the only thing that has not become sentient and evil was the new helmet Thor got on Battle World. Everything oh. else is evil. Yeah, but not yet. I mean, we don't know. It's, well, we're... that universe is destroyed now anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> All right, moving on. Moving on. <clears throat> So the parts fused themselves into a single organism, as they do, and, <laughs> and made their way to the project. I'm just going to leave this here. Yeah. <laughs> there is no way. I'm just going to leave this shit right here. Yes, I know it's alien technology. Yes, I know there are bad guys that are looking to, to take... Remember the armor wars? I know there are bad guys out there that want to steal my tech and create you know, weapons of mass destruction, but I'm just going to leave this in a snowbank because what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is, this is you know, Earth 616. <laughs> Nothing has ever come of anyone just leaving something laying around. Never, not even once. <laughs> not even once. Not in a bell tower. I'm going to make a hundred more references, yes. but I'm, I'm, I'm not. It's, all right, so moving on. Okay. Did we get to the magma yet? Not yet. We're almost there. I always want to say that in the in an Austin Powers... Uh, magma. Uh, magma. <laughs> Dr. Evil. Magma. <laughs> so these things fused into a single organism, made their way into the project through a ventilation shaft, where it has been evolving ever since. 
This is where Cosmic Awareness comes in handy as the backstory narrator. It's beautiful. Ah, it's great. So, during the history lesson, Quasar has been making his way to the Magma Tap. Magma. Which is a shaft that connects the project to the Earth's magma layer. (laughs) I'm going to say it that way the rest of the time. Every time. Magma. (laughs) So Quasar opens the lid and knocks the omnivore, who is now caught up to them, into the hole. Creature won't go down easily, though, and Quasar has to fly down the hole, pushing the omnivore into the magma until it dissolves. Quasar go down the hole. (laughs) It'd be better, because blue ball go down the hole, it'd be better if if blue shield go down the hole. (laughs) And I rather like this, um, is it a splash page when it's a a one panel, one page, or does it have to be, you know, a double truck? No, I I would consider that a splash page, where he's hitting him with the mace. Yeah, he just clobbers him with the mace and knocks him in. I thought that was pretty cool. Knocks his jaw right off, too. Yeah, sure. And then he starts, just keeps on pummeling him like Joe Pesci with a baseball bat, this quantum mace, and knocks him into the magma chamber. But he won't go down. Yeah, I mean, this this is a huge robot. It's got to be, what, 25 feet tall, something like that? Its size and scale is changing throughout. Yeah. The, so, well, I'm just lo- I'm looking at page 24, the, the splash page. So he looks like he's about one, two, three, four quasars tall. <laughs> is that going to be our new measurement that, system? That, that, yes, that, that is our new measurement. It's like the Imperial foot. It's, uh, it's the Marvel quasar system. <laughs> four quasars tall. I think that should be the official Marvel measuring scale. <laughs> I'm sorry, the mighty Marvel measuring scale, because it's going to be alliteration. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, actually, that that mighty Marvel measuring scale it abbreviates to MMMS, which was also the Merry Marvel Marching Society. So you can use the exact same thing. You have Ben Grimm pointing at you, saying the MMS wants you. The mighty Marvel measuring scale wants you. I think I think we really I think we hit on you know a hidden Illuminati secret no. that people didn't want us to know about. So Are yeah, all right. copters I hear. <laughs> so this is so so. Uh, being hit into the magma, the omnivore is that his fucking name? That the is omnivore, st- yes. That's so stupid. All right, he's four quasars high, and I guess that would make Godzilla twenty quasars high because he's like what supposed to be ten stories high. The stories what ten twelve? Oh, no, uh, no, Godzilla is thirty stories high according to the cartoon theme song. Right. That, okay. Up that, from that, the that, depths, thirty that, stories high. I <laughs> I have watched that too much. That's what I was remembering, but I couldn't. Was thirty. So Godzilla is sixty quasars high. Yeah. Okay. And we, and Godzilla is a Marvel character. All right. I'm he glad fought we Shield. <laughs> he sure did. He fought Thor. Yeah. Uh, they did a, a pushing contest. Uh, Godzilla was trying to knock over a, um, a skyscraper, and Thor was pushing it from the other side to keep them to keep it from falling over. Somehow we've become Earth Destruction Directed. <laughs> I don't know why those guys haven't had us on their show yet. Okay, just, so I'm just saying, I'm just gonna <laughs> say that out loud because I know they listen. <laughs> oh, Luke. <laughs> so, unless you, son, unless you want a feud on your hands, you better get to stepping. <laughs> <laughs> so Quasar flies into the hole, pushing the omnivore down to the magma until it dissolves, and then he flies out and seals the magma tap. Right. So we've got uh, two pages of this where he's pushing him deeper and deeper and deeper into the hole of the magma chamber. Are you thinking and... about Fabio again? 
uh, <clears throat> moving on. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, but the whole is like, oh, I hope my shield holds. I hope my shield holds. And remember, this is before we really defined all of Quasar's cosmic quote unquote powers. Because if you can fly through the heart of a, of the sun, you can stand a little magma. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I find interesting, second panel on page 29, where he's flying back out of the tap. Mm -hmm. He's thinking, expel the thermal energy I picked up down in the pit. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Blue Shield is standing right there. Do you honestly think Blue Shield's force field is strong enough to stand all that heat being released? It's all he does. All he does is the force field shtick. Let him have this one, all right? (laughs) He's the best there is at what he does, and that's stand around and take punishment. (laughs) We're not talking about Nero again, are we? <laughs> now, Nero's usually sitting taking the punishment. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay. And I don't. I want to know how come Quasar's is Quasar's cape ripped here, or yeah, is it that singed? that happened well well back, uh, back when the acid got spit on him. So it's oh, it's been damaged right. basically the whole issue here. Right, that happened way back on page. Just flippy doodle here. Page this and that. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Well, okay, so 17 is cake, his cake, his cake, his cape is intact. On, no, on 15, 15, page 15, panel 3, you see when the omnivore's sucking up the stuff that part of Quasar's cape has been damaged. Okay, so there's a continuity error on page 17 then. Probably, yeah. But, so, <laughs> we're, also, we're also talking, talking about uh, the issue where on, where is it, page 6... It looks like Quasar suddenly changed into shorts. <laughs> right. Because so of the coloring uh, error. <laughs> right, so let's write a fucking letter. Yeah. And yeah, right, he's got his best uh, Tim uh, Tim Grayson uh, outfit on, showing those legs. <laughs> or Dick Grayson, okay. what did Dick, I say? You said Tim Grayson. You you merged Tim Drake and Dick Grayson. It's fucking Batman, it's all the same. It's all the same, <laughs> all it's right. all the same character. So, 15 minutes later, Quasar and Blue Shield are on the surface. <laughs> Blue Shield is inconsolable over the deaths of, of his men, but Quasar <laughs> tells him that there was nothing he could do, and he shouldn't feel bad that it took one outsider to save the day. Quasar screwed up so bad it took four people to bail him out. <laughs> Thanks very much for the pep talk, yeah, Mr. Right. Sunshine. It's, right, you just verified that I screwed up. And by the way, son, what's your name as you fly away? Yeah. You know, you're not going to give him uh, Big Joe Green's uh, cape or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Blue Shield, here. <laughs> right. Take care now. Uh, what was your name? Uh, what was your name? Blue Shield. <laughs> and he says it so proud. Blue Shield. As he as he gives the, you know, I'm standing up straight. I'm putting my one hand on my hip and I'm waving with the other hand. Goodbye, citizen. That well, that's his Ohatmu pose. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about one of the only other places you'll find this guy. He, I'll put you this way. I did a, a tad of research on this, just yeah. because I wanted to find out, who the fuck is this guy? Right, sure. So I looked, and what, what's the first place I look? Well, in the Marvel superheroes <laughs> role-playing game resources. Oh, yeah, right, sure. So I looked every single one of those loose-leaf entries, right? Mm-hmm. All the ones starting with B, and all the ones starting with S. He's nowhere to be found. You know... <laughs> You, you have the most obscure, useless characters in those loosely pages, but not Blue Shield. He didn't make the cut. <laughs> well, poor guy. Uh, I, you know, I think the other thing that we should really 
focus on here is the whole uh, moral debate Quasar has with himself about thrusting the omnivore through the magma. Uh, he's like, well, you know, I, I really don't want to kill the, this thing, but it, I don't feel so bad because he killed 15 of uh, Blue Shield's guys or um you know, so if this kills him, you know, you know, whoopty shit. So he's really paying fast and loose with a whole superhero code of no kill. Yeah, isn't this the guy that was so upset that he disincorporated the absorbing man that this is this is a guy who's gone to prison for murder mm-hmm. and he's upset? Uh, well, maybe it's the uh, maybe it's the dolphin premise. You know, it's a. If he looks human, then it's it's bad to kill him. But if it's if it's an ugly robot thing, is yeah, who cares? Oh, I thought the dolphin premise, like you know, it's it, it it's okay to have a little of that in your tuna because you just what you'll just absorb their power. <laughs> no, I was thinking more of the save the cute animals. Don't care about the ugly ones. Right. People don't care that tuna are, are, die for you know to get put in these little cans because I mean, have you seen a tuna? <laughs> They're not that attractive. No, well, maybe to you, but I, I get you. I mean, uh, I, I get your point. Is what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so after Quasar flies back to the city, the project director, Doctor Wilburn, arrives and asks what happened. Blue Shield says that Quasar saved the day and resigns as head of security in a nice Mobius loop kind of thing because Quasar quit after the exact same instance. Yada yada yada. Circular mm-hmm. storytelling. Bullshit. Yeah. Right. right. And it's all wrapped up in a nice, neat little package. Yes. I mean, it's, there's barely any continuing plot threads in this. I mean, you have the one bit of Quasar saying, yes, my mission to check on aliens, and the other bit of, oh, woe is me, I don't have a single client yet, even though I've been in business for a year. Right. At least we didn't hear any, oh, my dad's an asshole, and he doesn't like me, and he likes Eon better, and he's disappointed in me. We didn't hear that sob story this time. Or the, well, she's attractive, but she's my secretary. I can't date her. Oh, right. The the whole Matt Murdock stuff. (laughs) Yeah, but look how it turned out for Matt Murdock. So you're saying Kayla's going to go nuts and become a drugged-up porn star? I wasn't going to go that far. <laughs> but she might get AIDS. Well, well, she she does end up with much shorter hair and much less clothing later on in the series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's the end of that issue. It, it kind of just, maybe it's just me, but while I was reading this, I got to the last page. I'm like, what, that's it? <laughs> it it's like Gruenwald was writing it and he got to, he didn't remember what his page count was. It's just, oh, crap, I have to wrap this up. Okay, well, here's a John Byrne style, everybody talks a lot on the very last page to wrap the whole story up. See, I felt similar, but a little different. And here's where I I differ is I'm a little bit spoiled because of the over... This comic has a lot of long-ranging plot uh, story arcs. Mm. And so you get spoiled by that. And so when you have a one-off, you can feel a little bit disappointed. Um Although when I was a kid, I liked the one-offs because I didn't have the patience for a longer story. I think that this, you know, the, the point that they were trying to, okay, the the meta topics they were trying to, is like, okay, we need to we need to find a way to work the new mutants in so we can get into the X-Men camp. And we need to have a one-off story that involves aliens. So how do we do this? They reverse engineered the story. And much like a Superman comic, there's not a lot of, you know, dialogue or thought. So there's a lot of 
full panel fight scenes or, you know, just one or two or three panel uh, fight scenes per page so that you can get to, you know, you can fill up all the space and then, you know, one or two pages with significant dialogue uh, to fill it all together. That's what I think is happening here because there really was a lot of combat in this one. And I like the combat, don't get me wrong, but I don't need, always need, I don't need three full page panels in here just showing how menacing the omnivore is it feels like you know i'm cramming that in because i'm i'm short on content so i need to fill up the space with something right yeah it's just i don't know if if this maybe was like an inventory story that they just managed to get into quasar because it really think if you think about it except for the actual quasar plot lines in this if you switch Quasar out for any other hero, say the Human Torch, what changes? Nothing. Exactly. So it's, it sounds like maybe they were behind the eight ball a bit. They had to get an issue out. Uh, Gruenwald at this time was doing a lot of stuff. He was writing Avengers, I believe, and doing this. And so it, it could be he just didn't have enough time. So Tom DeFalco pulled out this script, say, here, Tweak that, make that your issue eight, and that's where they went. That's a good point. So that's a very good point. I mean, it's, it just seems a little too generic. Whereas uh, the previous issues have been fairly decent as far as being Quasar stories. Yeah, I mean, last issue was Terminus with a, a bit of Spider-Man thrown in, but that was still a... It was an extraterrestrial threat to a lot. Whereas this is kind of just more generic doesn't have to be an alien, even. Uh, they just happen to make it into an alien origin to get Quasar into it. But it, it could have just been anybody, really. It's it's a very generic Marvel hero story. Agreed. I agree. I, I, it doesn't mean I, I, dis, I didn't enjoy uh, reading it. You know, I mean, it was a fun read. Just it was not the same quality that, right. uh, you know, I would, I would have preferred. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So... But we'll see what happens next time in issue number nine, which I haven't read yet. So I, I'm going to be as surprised as you are, listeners. <laughs> right. And notice he says he's as surprised as the listeners will be. He realizes that I am not surprised because I read the wrong fucking issue. I wasn't going to bring that up. No, come on. Listen, I, I understand. I'm only human. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I act like a dick on this podcast because it's fun. But uh, I'm just as fallible as anyone else. So I, I, wrong, I read the wrong issue. Uh, and we had to uh, we had to pause for about 20 minutes while I read that. Hey, what do you think we were doing during the break, everyone? <laughs> oh, no, right, right. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, the next one's good. I'll give you some teases. Okay, go right ahead. So, all right, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, Gene, uh, computers, mm. what is a lot of memory? Like, how much memory is a lot of memory? Now or then? Oh, now. I mean now. Like, terabyte. A terabyte is yeah. a lot of memory. So if that's a lot, what is a normal, like you would expect to have this kind of memory? Like if you didn't have this kind of memory, you'd think there'd be something wrong with it? Uh, 400 gigs. About 400 gigs. Okay, yeah. that's fair. And with 400 gigs, do you still feel like you're running out of memory and you can't uh, run really particularly sophisticated software? I don't think so, no. Okay, but... You feel like that's the minimum you really need, correct? Yeah, I would say so, yes. So if a computer had 
oh, let's say a um, uh, an enhanced cranium that contains ten thousand megabytes of computer. <laughs> that would not be a lot, right? Uh, no, ten thousand megabytes is ten gigabytes. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, uh, this is a tease. The next one, uh, this person was very, very excited, and it was this is like all capital letter that ten and not not one zero comma zero 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 like written out in caps ten thousand megabytes worth of com- uh, com- onboard assisted computer. <laughs> and as we know today, like my cell phone has quadruple that amount of. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. See, since we've gotten rid of satellite, we've been watching a lot of over-the-air TV, and they have the one stations. Uh, it broadcasts old game shows. So we were watching game shows from like the fifties. I mean, we're talking about what's my line, I've got a secret, stuff like that. And they would sometimes include the old commercials. Oh, fun. And one of them was uh, Remington. It was for, you know, the electric shaver. Well, apparently the same company that did the electric shaver also was responsible for Univac. So they showed Univac, this big room's worth of computer. I I looked over at Michelle, picked up my tablet and said, that whole thing, that's got less processing power than this. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Oy vey. Well, hmm. this next one's uh, this next one's pretty good. Um, it, it, I think it's again. I keep saying this, but I think it's really starting to set up the whole cosmic thing. Um, certainly, this this issue sets up. So issue ten will set up. No, issue nine will set up issue ten. Right. So I, re- this... I remember part of issue ten, at least the cover where he's about to get his hand cut off. Right. <laughs> For like the first of many times. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so the next issue is going to be really good. And, um, you know, we'll record that sooner rather than later and try to get this one up um, on a quicker side. Is there anything else we really want to go over while we've got their attention, or do you think we've lost them by now? Uh, I, I think that, you know, once we went into who Blue Shield was, we lost them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good enough. Well, uh, thanks for joining us again on the Quantum Cast. Uh, and uh, look for our new show that's coming out, the Bad Advice Show. And if you would like to ask us a question on that, you can send it to the Quantum Cast, and it'll get over to us at the new show. Right. Remember, quantum.bands at yahoo.com for all your questions that I will be reading and Adam <laughs> will ignore. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, guys. Thanks for the thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you next time, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Quantum Cast, your source for all things Quasar. You can find us on the web at quantumbands.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Google Plus under Quantum Bands. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, please email us at quantum.bands at yahoo.com. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Good night, Forbushman, wherever you are.